today that God would just touch us. Let's pray that God would just help us to put down the mask. Let's pray today that God would help us just to be real. Is that cool? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that you'd be with us today as we teach this message, God, and we present some truths, God, of your word, because your word is truth. Your word is life. And God, I pray as we speak your truth, as we speak your life today, God, we just pray that you would minister to us, you would speak to us, you would just undertake, God, for everything in our lives. And God, I pray that, God, we would be changed. We would be changed today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. First service, they had to tie me down. They had to tie me to the pulpit because I was just so pumped. Hadn't preached for over two weeks and was just ready to go. And I feel the same right now. Just so excited and just got so much of the Word of God inside of me for each one of you. And just really believing that God's going to do great things for your life. What a great series. Come on. There's perhaps no kind of more in your face series than we've perhaps done than I'm a hypocrite. Come on, say that with me. I'm a hypocrite. And um, when I first presented it to the team and said, we're going to do this and talked about promoting it and everything, they kind of looked at me and said, Pastor P, maybe you need to tone it down just a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit too in your face. I said, no, I like it. I think things like this sometimes need to be in our face because we can sugarcoat stuff so much that it loses its meaning. Come on, we deal with hypocrisy in our lives and we need God to help us. Come on, look at your neighbor square in the eyes and say, "Hi." hi, I'm a hypocrite. Keep looking at them, keep looking at them. We haven't finished, but God has not finished with me yet. Come on, and you can, you can reply back to him, and he sure has a lot of work still to do. But it's okay, we're all a work in progress, and God has not finished with us yet. I really believe this series is going to bring such freedom to many of your lives, that you're going to just see freedom and liberty come, because here's our goal. The goal of this series is to see God change you. For you to be totally changed. We want you to have a new confidence that comes from knowing that you're fulfilling your destiny and doing everything exactly as God called you to do. God has a destiny and a purpose for your life and too many people are kind of flirting with it. They're kind of in it, but too many people are away from it. We want you to have a confidence that comes that you're in it, fulfilling it, knowing that God has the best. We want you to be free to be yourself. And not have to worry about what everyone else thinks. Come on, we want you to live in acceptance of not trying to be a people pleaser. Someone faking it in order that other people will like you. There's a lot of forces out there that are pulling us to be what they think we should be instead of who we really are. And throughout this series, we want you to discover not what the world, not what your neighbor 
not even what your spouse says you should be. We want you to be what God made you to be. Because you see, when you're what God made you to be, then you'll be the spouse that your spouse needs. You'll be the worker that your boss needs. You'll be the parent that your children need. You'll be the person that you need to be. And remember in our prayer series, we had just come out of prayer in an awesome time. We talked a lot about in the prayer series, discovering your own prayer language. Come on, finding that groove, that niche, asking God, Lord, teach me how to pray. Be myself in my own unique way. And that's what we want through this series too, to take another step forward, that you can be who God called you to be. Come on, just free to be yourself. Come on, I said, just free to be yourself. Unless you're weird, and then we just need to talk about that. No, 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 no. Just free to be yourself. And that's so often, isn't it, a struggle for so many people, including yourself? Because we want to try to be, we want to appear to be everything that we should be instead of everything that God wants us to be. Everything that we think we should instead of being everything that he knows that we are. What do politicians do? Politicians tell us anything they want in order to get a vote. Come on, what do advertisers do? They promote anything to maximize profit. They present things in our lives and tell us we can't live without them. Have you ever said to yourself, there is no way I can live without that thing? Come on, they make us believe that we can't live without. I want you to realize that you've lived many years very well without that thing. And you don't need that in order to live. But advertisers tell us whatever they need in order for us to buy the product for them to make it. As employees, what do we do? We do anything many times to get ahead. Even if it means sometimes stabbing our co-worker in the back. Whatever it may be, life today, many people doing whatever it can. What about churchgoers, Christians? What are we good at? We're good at wearing a mask and acting out being all holy in church but who are we outside of this house I wanted to preach a message we're going to preach it sometime during this series I don't know what perhaps next week I'm going to preach a message called only a Sunday Christian only a Sunday Christian and I want to think about that because there are so many people who are Christians on Sunday and they don't even just be Christians through Sunday They're only Christians when they're in the church and they can't even get to their car before they lose their Christianity. Come on. Come on. Even right now, maybe some of you are losing your Christianity in church. Someone just texted you and you're like, yeah, who do they think they are? Yeah. So many people who are just Christians. But here's, we can joke and we can laugh about it, but it's a major problem. Because here's the problem. We're losing the next generation. We're losing the next generation because kids aren't wanting to be in church. Kids aren't wanting to know the scriptures anymore. Kids aren't wanting to follow God. Why? Because they're looking and saying, if that's what Christianity is all about, if that's the example that I have to follow, I don't want any of that. Kids can see the fakeness in our lives. Come on, we want to turn that around in this house. We want to see the next generations, and we are being so successful and powerful. We want to raise up the next generations with the greatest voice that they can scream out and live out for God. Come on, we don't want to be hypocrites. We don't want to be one way in church and another way outside of church. We want to be the same way each and every day. We want to be what God created us to be. I love this scripture from James chapter 3. It's talking about the tongue, I know. But Jesus said this in reference to the tongue. He says, out of the abundance of the 
heart, the mouth speaks. So therefore, when he's talking about the tongue, guess what he's saying? It's who you are, because it speaks out of your life. Look what he says in James 3, 10 through 12. He says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. Let me break that down for you. You ready? Blessing. Thank you, Jesus, for a wonderful day. You're awesome. Blessing. Come on, that's blessing. But then the words cursing, you get out and someone cuts you off. You bleep, bleep. Well, I didn't say it, Pastor. I only texted it. <laughs> Texting is the same as saying it. Come on now. But notice blessing and cursing. Notice the contrast of our lives. He says, out of the same mouth produces blessings or proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs, can it? No, 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 no. Therefore, no spring can yield both salt and salt water and fresh water. I love how New Living Translation says, verse 10, it says, And so blessing and cursings come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Come on, say that with me. That's not right. It's not right. It's not what's supposed to happen. Yet it does. Yet it does. I'm going to keep saying that till I get someone to agree with me. Yet it does. In our lives, the same mouth that we bless God with, it's the same mouth that we use to curse others and say the wrong things. With our mouth and our lives, the hypocrisy so many times that's present is scary. Scary. But that's not our message for today. That's a good one. We're going to come back to that. But what I want to talk about today is this. I want us to talk about stop fighting God. Stop fighting God. How often we resist the one who is at work in our lives using the circumstances of our lives. How we resist the one that's working in us by the circumstances we are in around us. Or perhaps you want to use this title today. That's fine. Title the message, whatever you want. The Christian hypocrite. I'm going to talk about the Christian hypocrite today. As you know, we've just come back from vacation. Or if you don't, we just came back from vacation. Longest vacation I've taken for many, many years. Church was left in very capable hands. Pete, just everyone did an awesome job. Thanks to everyone. We had a great time. Three Wednesdays we were gone. Two Sundays, the longest time that we've been gone. But we just had a really great time. Hit the beach, did Disney. It was just really, really a cool time that we needed. But while we were in Disney and we're outside the hotel, it had been a long day. We'd done a lot of things. I think we were then going to the Disney village. We were going out to eat. We were going somewhere. Every day just blurred into the next. And Luke came up to me and he says, Dad, I thought you were preaching about being a hypocrite this month. I said, yes, son, I am. I'm like, where'd that come from? I mean, anyone got kids like that that just, bam, just sometimes you're like, where does that come from? So I thought, man, let me take him on at this. And I said, Luke, I am preaching on that. But do you know what being a hypocrite is? I I was expecting, to be honest with you, I was kind of bracing for something. I thought, here's some sermon material coming. I'm just going to write this down because Lord knows what he thinks a hypocrite is and what's going to come out of his mouth. 
And he looks at me and he says, a hypocrite is someone who says one thing and does another. I was like shocked. I mean, that's, the good, that's a good description right there. In fact, I think that's one of the greatest descriptions of being a hypocrite. And I said, why, why are you saying that? He says, Dad, you're a hypocrite. <laughs> I'm like, Luke, why? Well, look at you. You're sitting on the rope. Have you ever been in all those lines? You know when you have to line and they've got the little post and the post and the little rope in between? He says, you're sitting on the rope and you've told me all week, Luke, stop. Sitting on the rope. Busted. (laughs) Busted. So what did I do? I answered him the same way he had answered me all week when I told him, I'm not really sitting on it. All I'm doing is I'm just leaning on it. (laughs) Sitting leaning, I was still a hypocrite. Because I told him. I thought, wow, isn't it amazing how many ways we can so easily be hypocrites in our lives. Is there a word? Is that hypocrisy? There is now. It's my message. There is now. And we can be the hypocrite in our lives, but yet we just blow it off. It's just like, well, I'm the adult and I don't have to do what I tell my kids to watch out. But I can watch that, but they can't. Hold on. Isn't that hypocrisy? You see, there's so many things in our lives and it really hit me. And I've got to say, Luke, you gave us a great description of hypocrisy because hypocrisy is definitely, I think the greatest definition is saying one thing. Yet what? Doing something completely different. Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 15 to the religious leaders because they were good at doing that. They were good at saying one thing and he called them a bunch of hypocrites. That was a real stern rebuke that Jesus gave them. That was something that was really hard. Just like if someone come up to you and pointed their finger at you and you say you're a big hypocrite, you're not going to smile and high-five them. You're going to want to slap them. Because you don't like that. Who likes to be addressed or labeled as that? But what Jesus was saying to them was this. Back in those times, they would see plays and they would act out a play. And what they would do is they would take a mask and behind the mask, they would become another person. So they would act out, they would play act, they would be a different person behind the mask. Jesus was saying, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You, you get behind the mask and you become someone different to the person that you really are. We've become masters of wearing a mask. We've become masters of trying to hide and to mask and not deal with truly what's going on inside of us. But to put up an image to act out a part of a role. We saw this just last week throughout the news. If you've turned on the TV at any time last week, you've heard the name Robin Williams that came up. Robin Williams, a tragedy of a life to end in such a way, especially when a life was labeled as perhaps the funniest man on the face of the earth. The funniest man, think about that. Literally the hypocrisy in that statement of the fact that he was known as the funniest man on the face of the earth. But beneath the mask, depression took his life. The struggle, the battle with addiction, just the anguish and the pain of dealing. You see, we've got to come clean. Now the mask that we wear in hypocrisy, I pray, is not too extreme as where Robin Williams and others are. But if you would have asked him, 
Do you think you'll lose your life through depression? He would have told you no. Because he didn't realize, and so many times we don't realize the dire straits that so often we find ourselves in. Why? Because we wear the mask, we smile, everything's good, everything's grand. It's time to get real. Come on, it's time to get real. Look at your neighbor and say, get real. Because we really need to do that. Imagine what your life would be like if you were totally free to be real all the time. If you could just be yourself. Imagine the freedom that you would have in your life just to be yourself. What if you lived completely honest with your family? How many have got some things you'd love to tell your family? Just think how nice it would be just to be totally free and open with that. Come on, what if you had people in your life who you could tell anything to? Wouldn't that be awesome? Just to have those people. What if you really believed God loved you no matter what? What if you were free to love others just like that? Instead of the pain, and, but just loving people. Without the hurts and all the, pack, all the baggage and just packages and everything that's come from the past. But just free to just love people. Just like that. What if you knew being authentic wouldn't come back to bite you in your future? Wouldn't it be great just to be able to be free and live like that? That's how God wants you to live. God wants us to live free. God doesn't want the mask. God doesn't want us to live in hypocrisy. God doesn't want us to say one thing and yet do and be the other. And that's just my introduction. So you're ready for my message today. Stop fighting God. Stop being the Christian hypocrite. Today I want to read a portion from the life of Jacob. But before I do and I read this passage, I want to make this statement known to each one of you. I I just want this to burn into you. I want you to grab a hold of this because I just really believe that you need to hear this before we move on today. Are you ready? Here's the statement. Your hypocrisy doesn't make you unsuitable or unusable. It just means you need God to change you. You may be sitting here now and saying, well, there's no hope for me because I know the life I lived. I'm a different person here, there. Listen, that doesn't make you unusable or unsuitable. It just means that you need God to change you. Because when God changes you, you are totally usable and you are totally suitable to what God has in store for you. So remember that. God's still in the changing business. He's still in the change in business. I wanted to write down on my page, uh, I wanted to say he's still in the change in business greater than ever. But that wouldn't be true because from the very first day right till now, it's never been greater or ever less. He's always been complete and always done what needs to be done. Come on, he's an excellent, awesome God and you can't get better than that. Think about this, when God made you, they threw away the mold. Why? Because you can't perfect perfection. God couldn't make a better you than you. And that's why it's time that we be what God created us to be. Because if God wanted someone else to be you, he would have made them you, but he made you you. For what reason? So you can be free to be what God wants you to be. Come on, it doesn't make us unsuitable or unusable. It just means we need God to change us. It just means we need the help of God. I need the help of God every day in my life. Come on, I'm not afraid to admit that. I need the help of God every day in my life. I need Him to be there with me. 
I have the wrong thoughts just like everyone else. I want to say the wrong things just like everyone else. I've got the ability to lose my temper just like everyone else. I, I, I can do the. I need the help of God because I don't want. I want to pull down the mask and I want to come completely real with before God. So today we're going to read a passage of scripture from the life of Jacob. Too much to read of the entirety of the life of Jacob, but I want us to read a passage today, and then I'll bring us up to this passage, and then we're going to dissect it and look at it today. Genesis chapter thirty-two, verses twenty-one through thirty-one. Follow in your Bibles, or you can follow on the screen with you. But make sure you're taking notes today, because I really believe you're going to need this. You're going to need this message. The title of it in my Bible is Wrestling with God. Stop fighting God. And he arose that night, and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons. This is talking about Jacob. And he crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, and he sent them over the brook, and he sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. Remember that. He was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, and and I've just got to mention this for the passage, and you've got to understand this. This wasn't just any man. This was God who came to wrestle with Jacob. This was God himself who came to wrestle with Jacob. So it says, when God saw that he could not prevail against Jacob, verse 25, God touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And God said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you... Come on, just making sure you're following with me. Unless you... So God said to Jacob, what is your name? And he said, and God said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. I love that. God says, no more. Say with me, no more. There's a change. There's something that's taken place. No more. No longer. No more. Your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And God said, what is it that you ask me about my name? And God blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. That's what that means. And just after he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his A passage, a portion of the life of Jacob. Jacob, by name, literally means deceiver. This is not new for a lot of you, but for some of you, you've maybe never heard this before. The name Jacob means deceiver, trickster, con man, devious. Do you get the picture of the type of person he was? But it wasn't just a name he had, it was the character of the person who he was. He lived true to his name. He was given that name for a reason because he lived up to that name. He was born second, which meant he did not inherit the blessing of the he wasn't the heir he wasn't the firstborn but what do we read of or see literally of the first thing of Jacob Jacob's wrestling in the womb with his brother Esau that when Esau who was born first Jacob has him by the heel 
Jacob's literally grabbing his brother, trying to pull him back in so he could be the one that comes out first. And what Jacob could not accomplish in the womb, he accomplished out of the womb as one day he tricked his brother when his brother Esau was starving and he gave him a a pot of gumbo and... It was gumbo. Gave him some gumbo and he sold his birthright for that. He didn't only take his brother's birthright, but he also tricked his father into giving him the promise. His mum helped with that. Jacob, the Bible says, was a very, he wasn't a hairy guy. He was smooth skinned. Esau was very hairy. His name Esau means red, red and hairy. So what did they do? They concocted a plan that Jacob was to go in disguised as Esau. They were to take goatskin and put it around his neck and on his arms. He was to wear his brother's clothes and cologne to smell like him. That when he went in to try and take the promise, he was going to steal the promise. What did his father Isaac say? He says, wow, it's the voice of Jacob, but yet feels like, smells like Esau. So his father gave him the blessing. You can imagine Esau's not happy about that. Not only stole the birthright, took the blessing, took the promise. So what did Esau say? When dad dies, I'm going to come and I'm going to finish business with you. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to destroy your life. So what does Rebecca do? You've got to leave. Get, get out of here. So she sends her son away that he can be free and he can sp- have his life spared. He finds his uncle Laban and he works for him and his life continues and continues. But what do we see throughout his life? The same behaviors surfacing over and over and over again. Jacob just being Jacob. But now we're in a place in his life that Jacob is in a desperate position. He's in a desperate place because he's left his father-in-law, he's decided to come back, and he knows now the person he has to face is his brother Esau. But now not only is he facing his brother Esau, the Bible says that Esau is coming with 400 men. They're armed, they're ready. They're not a welcoming party. They're ready to take him out. They're ready to destroy his life. They're ready to hinder the process of what God is trying to do. He's in a desperate situation. So what does he do? He's Jacob. He has a plan. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to divide all, everything I have. I'm going to put the best of things to the front. I'm going to put my family at the back. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the people at the front tell Esau, hey from Jacob, here's some stuff for you. Here's a new house. Here's a new Lamborghini. Here's some new cars. Here's some new stuff. And just soften him up a little bit. And I'm going to see his response. And if if Esau's really mad, then guess what? It gives me and my family at the back time to flee away. We can run Because that's the story of his life, running away, avoiding situations, much like most of us, literally exhausting ourselves by trying to change under our own power. Got the plan, don't we, of how it's going to happen. We've got it all set out. We've got it, and here's the backup just in case. So here he is. We read, where is he? He's now alone. And God appears to him. God appears to him. I'm so thankful that in his greatest need, God came to him. In our greatest need, God will always be there. 
Because the reality is this, God is always with us. It's just sometimes we choose not to recognize or welcome his presence, but his presence is always there with us. It's available for each one of us. But sometimes we have to get to that place of brokenness where we're alone and we have no hope, where we grab a hold of God and Jacob's at that place and now God appears to him. Look at this thought. Real change usually happens as a result of an uncomfortable or even painful situation. One that causes you to get real before God because nothing else will work. I want you to think about that. Because many times we don't really truly get real with God because, oh, I can still get... God has to sometimes back us into the biggest corner or the smallest corner, whichever way you want to look at it. For us to realize, I can't keep doing this any longer, and I can't keep doing that. My answer is not there, here, or wherever. That God is the only solution. That without God, nothing else will work. Are you listening to me? Nothing else will work. So many times people have said to me, why does God use tests and trials to get our attention? Because nothing else catches our attention. God doesn't have to bring us to a place of nothing for us to be blessed. But so many times he has to because we don't see him in the circumstances and the situations. And we don't turn to him. But we're so sidetracked and we're so deceived by so many other things around. But when there is nothing else, come on, that's when we grab a hold of God's. So where is Jacob? He's now alone and he's now wrestling with God. He's literally in a fight with God's. I want you to catch the image of this. He's alone and all of a sudden someone jumps out at him. He's grabbing a hold of him. He's wrestling. They're rolling around the ground. They're fighting and it doesn't just happen for a moment. It happens throughout the course of an entire evening, a whole night. He's wrestling. He's in hand-to-hand combat. He's in a fight. What he thinks is for his life. I begin to ask myself, picturing So many times us in the same position. Stop fighting God. Resisting the one that wants to bless us. I began to ask myself, I wonder what would happen to each one of our lives if we would just get out of the way and stop resisting God and say, God, do what you need to do in my life. But we don't, do we? We fight. We fight. We fight. And we're fighting the one who wants to do something great within us. If you're fighting someone, one of the first rules that you do when you're fighting someone is you protect yourself from their point of attack. So if you're fighting someone, the first thing that you normally try to do is to grab their arms or to take them down and pin them down. Why? Because you don't want them to be able to throw a punch to be able to knock you out. But notice this, when we're fighting God, if we're grabbing a hold of his hands, we're grabbing a hold of those things that want to bring blessing into our life. We're hindering the process. We're hindering the process of blessing that wants to come to our lives. But we fight. We fight. You know, a lot of us would sit there and say, well, you know what, Pastor Philip, that's maybe good for them, but I don't fight. I'm not fighting God. It's amazing how we can say we don't fight God. And the fact is, we've been a hypocrite with that. Because remember those things that you prayed and asked God for? 
and God says no, well, why are you still trying to get them? That's fighting God. Why are you still trying to plead with God to give you those things that he's already shot? That's fighting against God. Why are you living in the ways that you want to do where God's word tells you how you're to live your life? Do you realize that's fighting against God? We don't like to think of it in that way. We don't want to think of it that we're in a fight, but we do. We fight. We resist what God wants to do in each one of our lives. And you know why? Because we know better. I know what I need. I know what my life needs. If I just had this, then my life would be complete. We know what we want. The problem is we're just unable to find it on our own. Because we'll never find really what we want on our own, but we'll search and we'll search and we'll search. And what is the old saying out there? We'll start looking for love all in the wrong places. Because we know we need it, but we go looking for it. Fighting the one that can really, truly give it to us. Jacob could have so easily said, God, you win. God, you win. Think about the struggle that he would have avoided. The exhaustion. The bruises, the bumps. If you're fighting for your life, you're not fighting clean. Come on. If you're fighting for your life, I mean, anything goes. There's, there's some blood being spilled in this fight. I mean, they're fighting hard. It's a fight that's going on. But why and what could have happened if Jacob could have said, God, you win. What do you want to do with me? I surrender. But no, he's holding on. He's fighting a battle that he's never going to win. You and I will never beat God. But we'll get beat up fighting and trying. Not that God beats us up, but the world will beat you up in a hurry. Come on, sin, I heard this once, what's that statement that says sin makes you pay a price that you can't pay or something like that and takes you deeper and further than you ever thought you could go. You will be beat up with life because life has its way of doing that. And many times for us, the reason why we keep fighting is it's a pride thing. I've got this, God. I can handle it. Put the mask up. I can handle it. All's good. Everything's good. But have you ever really stopped and asked yourself, what do you really have when you say, I've got this? What have you got? Ah, the pain, the confusion, the emptiness, the loneliness, the anguish. Yeah, you've got it. And the things that you've got is not what God wants you to have. But Jacob is refusing to be beaten because throughout his whole life, he's figured out how to con. He's figured out how to lie. He's figured out to deceive, to put a spin on things because if he's wanted them, he's found a way to get them. But only now in his life, he has met his match. He's now met someone who wasn't going to let him get away with his unusual nonsense. He's met someone that's not going to let him be a brat anymore to throw tamper tantrums and just let him go and say, if that's how you want to be. He's now dealing with someone that says, listen here, there's going to be a change that's going to come about in your life. He's now come in contact with someone who knows Jacob better than he knows himself. 
So why is God fighting Jacob? I asked myself this question. I read the story and I thought, why, God, are you fighting with Jacob? Why a fight? Well, I know this. It wasn't because God wanted to defeat him. God wasn't fighting with him because God wanted to kick his bootay. God wasn't fighting with him because God wanted to destroy him. Do you realize that? God doesn't want to destroy your life. Sometimes there's a struggle and there's a fight, but it's not because God wants to destroy your life. God's trying to protect you from destroying your life. He's not the one that's destroying your life. Good God, bad devil. Never the other way around. Always a good God, always a bad devil. Here's the reason why I believe that God was fighting with Jacob. Because God wanted to wake him up to what God was able to do within him. Let me say it in another way. God wanted to reveal who Jacob really was. God wanted to show him who he really was. Let me expose Jacob for who he really is. But the reality really is this that we'll discover. We're not really fighting God. We're really fighting ourselves. Look what it says in Genesis 32 verse 26. And God said, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. Notice a whole night is gone. Let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now you may say maybe you're reading too much into this passage, but I don't believe I am. There's a shift that's taken place sometime in the night. At first Jacob's fighting for his life. But now all of a sudden he's understanding who he's fighting against. At first he's thinking that someone is about to destroy his life. But somewhere in the process, there's a shift, I believe, that's taken place. And he suddenly realizes, hold on now. I'm not fighting for my life anymore. But I'm now holding on for a blessing. You see, there needs to be a shift that takes place in each one of our lives. There needs to be that moment in our lives where we turn around and say, God, I realize that I don't want to fight against you any longer. But God, I need your blessing and help in my life. Can you see the change of motive? Can you see the change of attitude? That at one moment he's an adversary trying to destroy me, but now I recognize and realize he's my provider. He's my hope. He's my strength. He's my peace. So now I'm not trying to fight him to destroy him. I'm now holding on to him because I don't want to let him go. We need a shift in our lives. We need a change to take place. To stop fighting against what God wants to do in us. But yet hold on for his blessing. Jacob now knows this. If he lets go and gives up, he's going to miss his blessing. Here's our problem. Are you ready? Most of us aren't even pursuing a relationship with God. We say we are. But hypocrisy is saying one thing and help me out, doing another. We say it, but we don't do it. You know why 
Many of us aren't pursuing a relationship with God because we just expect Him and want Him to give us everything that we want, when we want it, on our terms. We want it our way. And that's been a hip- been a hypocrite. It's been a hypocritical Christian. A Christian hypocrite. I like to say it this way, that's been a Christian atheist. Greg Rochelle wrote a book, I love the title, A Christian Atheist. The title thought is this, you believe in God but live as though he doesn't exist. Huh? That's a Christian atheist. God is looking for someone with all their faults, all their flaws, all their imperfections, all their failures and all their hypocrisy that will just stop fighting and hang on for a blessing. You see, sometimes there has to be a fight in our life. Sometimes we have to be alone. Why? Because God uses those times, as I said earlier, to test us to see if we really mean business. Most of us rarely change until the pain exceeds the fear of our change. If you're taking notes, write that down. That's good. Most of us rarely change until the pain exceeds our fear of change. Most of us don't change when we see the light, but we change when we feel the heat. When the pain exceeds our fear of change. And I love God's reply to Jacob. It's kind of strange when you first hear it, but it makes perfect sense as you begin to study it. Look at verse 27, Genesis 32. So God's saying, let me go. And Jacob's saying, no, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And God's reply to him, God says to Jacob, he says to him, what is your... Kind of strange, huh? I mean, come on. I mean, that's all you got, God? What is your name? And he said... Here's what God is really asking him. Are you ready? God's asking him, who really are you? Who really are you? Beneath the mask, beneath the image, beneath the facade, or really better said, what really are you? Because remember this, you can fool others, but you can't fool God. You will never fool You see, in ancient cultures, they didn't just name kids nice names. When we name our kids now, we go on, they've even got apps on your phone for the top names for today. The most popular names that you can have with all their meanings. Oh, I like that, I like that, I like that. When we were doing with Judah, we had some things. But you know what Kelly and I decided? We didn't know what we were having. We knew we were having a baby, we just didn't know what type of baby. But when we had our baby, we had some ideas and thoughts, but we felt that we would know the name to give our child when we saw the child. You see, in ancient customs and in cultures, what they would do is they would name the child according to the characteristics of that child. So literally, your name became a label or a tag telling other people the type of person you were. So if if someone said, Jacob's coming tomorrow, you would put all your cutlery away and all your nice stuff because the deceiver, the liar, the the guy's coming, you know, watch out. 
Everywhere he went, his name pursued him. Like a guy in the Bible, his name was what? What was the guy? His name was Pain. What was his name? Jabez. His name meant pain, that he was going to inflict pain upon you. Imagine that, being called, what's your, what's your name, Jabez? Oh, get out of here. I don't want to be with you. You're a pain. Oh, get away. So a name was something that was so important. So notice this. When God is asking him his name, God is really saying to him, what's your character? Really, who are you? What type of person really are you? At the core of your being, who are you? God already knew. God already knew. God doesn't ask questions because he needs to know. God asks questions because we need to know. God doesn't ask out of ignorance. God asks because of our ignorance and to give us insight and truth. God already knew what his name was and knew everything about him. But God just needed Jacob to come clean, admitting the truth to himself and the truth to God. Notice what I said, that Jacob had to first admit the truth to himself before he could come clean with God. You know, one of the biggest struggles we have in our life is being truthful to ourselves. Jacob said, when God asked him, who are you? Jacob's reply was this, I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. I'm a trickster. I'm a con man. I'm a manipulator. That's what he said. God, I'm Jacob. I wonder today what your name really is. Perhaps your name today is greedy. Perhaps your name today is bitter. Perhaps your name today is anger. Perhaps your name today is a hot temper. Maybe your name today is lustful, an adulterer, miserable, depressed, fearful, afraid, a gossip. An addict. God can only work with that which is given to him. God can only work with that which is given to him. Oh God, I'm a Christian. I pay my tithes. I sing in the choir. I love God. I'm doing this. Who really are you? God can only work with that which is really given to him. God can't work with hypocrisy. He can only work with honesty. It's kind of tough when you start to think about what really your name is. Not talking about what you think it is, but what others know it is. And even with a little thing that we can give to God, we may say, well, God, there's not much of my life to give to you. I want to tell you right now that even with the smallest things, God can produce the greatest miracles. Five loaves and two fish, he can feed a multitude. But it has to be given to God. Come on, it's time to stop fighting God. Come clean with God. Hold your hands up and say, God, I'm this. 
I'm a liar. I'm a cheat, God. I'm, I'm a failure. I'm all these kind of things. No matter who you have been, will never destroy what you can be. No matter what you have been, will discredit you from what God can use you to be. I love that about God. God could have so easily overlooked Jacob. God knew everything about Jacob. He could have so easily overlooked him just like the world would have and said, well, there's no hope for someone. God could have found someone that he perhaps could have used, someone better suited. But aren't you glad that God does not see us in the state of who we are? God doesn't see who we are. God sees us how we can be. I'm glad about that today. Because if that wasn't the case, none of us would be where we're at today. Come on, I said none of us would be where we're at today. Because God would have just written us off a long time ago. But God saw something inside of us that we didn't even see. But we grabbed a hold and stopped fighting and now said, God, bless me. Bless me, bless me. And then God wants to take us through the process of change. God wants to take us through a metamorphosis that will go in a slug so we can come out a beautiful butterfly. Come on, that will go in a hypocrite and we can come out a fill in the blank of what you want to come out on the other side as. But in order for the slug, the caterpillar to become the butterfly, there's a process of pressure It's a process of resistance and time and trust that has to be placed all around us so it can produce something within us. That we can be changed, that we can be a new person, no longer a Jacob. I like what Brian Houston says. I love this quote. I've got it written on my office wall. It says this, I have never seen a flying caterpillar, but every caterpillar is destined to fly. But you can't fly till you go through a change. Everyone possesses the ability, but until we allow God to change us, we'll still be the same. I've got to get on with the message. Verse 28, and God said, Your name shall no more, no longer be called Jacob, but you shall be called Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. You have prevailed. You see, when you get honest with God, God will change you. If you don't grab anything else from my message today, that's the nugget you need. When you get honest with God, God will change you. When you just come real with God and say, God, this is who I am. God says, now I can begin to be what you need me to be. So you can become what I created you to be. God no longer sees him as a deceiver, but God names him Israel, which means prince with God. Think about that. You're now a prince. You're now my prince. You're now a prince with God. God can change you when you tell the truth about who you are. But Jacob doesn't only now have a new name. There's something else he has. He has a new identity. 
come on, it's more than just a name. He's not the same old person anymore because now with that new name comes a new character, comes a new identity. Come on, God wants to change us because if only our name changes and we don't change, we're still a... Sure are, we're still a hypocrite. Because God wants to do a completed work inside of us. You've got to love God, that he knows everything about you. And I mean everything. He knows all those things that you don't want anyone else to know about. But now he sees you not as a failure, unusable, a hypocrite. But he sees you as someone who won't let go until he blesses your life. Jacob starts fighting a battle he can't win. But he ends up becoming the winner in God. Pete said it last week, hypocrisy is one of the most difficult human conditions to correct, mainly because those with the problem are not aware of it or they don't want to admit to it. Hypocrisy is a tough, hard fight to overcome, to win. But we can overcome by revealing to God truly who we are so he can make us into what he created us to be. Because God will always bless you when you have an encounter with him. But God also gave him a reminder of his experience. Because not only did he leave with a new name, which meant a new identity, the Bible says he left with a new walk. He left with a new walk. Something that was plain to see by all. But even before he came, people knew who he was because of the walk that he had. Let me backtrack, verse 25, it says, Now when God saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip. You could preach that because this area of your body is the area of greatest strength. God came to the area of greatest strength in his life and made it a weakness to show him that he needed him. For every step he was going to take, he had to trust God for the next step. Come on, we've got to live like that. God struck his hip out of sockets. And joint as he wrestled with and then jumped to 31, it says, and just after he crossed over Peniel, where he'd met face God to f- f- where he'd met God face to face, but yet prevailed. Yet, yet he did not lose his life. It says the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Every step he took, he was reminded. Every step he took, he was reminded. And you know why? God wants to remind us each and every step because God is more interested in changing your character than making your life comfortable. God is more interested in changing who you are than just making your life comfortable because the comforts of life, unfortunately, have made us the Jacobs that we so easily have become. But when God shakes the nest, And he changes the core of who we are. That's his thrust. It's not comfort. It's character that he wants to build. I wonder today if you're walking with a limp. Have you had an encounter with God that has totally changed your life? Have you shifted from fighting God to now grabbing a hold of him and say, God bless me because I'm Jacob. And I need you to change who I am. 
Because when God works in your life through your transparency, through your realness, through you pulling down the mask, but you stop being the Christian hypocrite, your life will never be the same again. You'll be set free from the old you so you can start acting in a whole new way. 2 Corinthians 5.17, last scripture. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. It's like when you go to AA, they say, what is the thing you have to say? I'm an alcoholic. You're not an alcoholic in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. I'm a son. Come on, I'm a son of the king. I'm a daughter of the king. Come on, I'm a child of God. That's my identity now. That's who I am. I'm not identified to my past and my failures and my mistakes. I'm now a representative of God. It's amazing as I close this message. Think about this. With everything that God has to do to run this world, He still had time for a Jacob. I believe that shows the love and total interest that God has for you and for me. Don't ever say that God doesn't care about you. Because God cares so much about you, He cares enough not to leave you the same way. Don't fight against God. Hold on. Confess who you are and leave with a blessing as he gives you a new name and a new identity and you leave completely changed. But let's not just say yes to God. Let's do yes. Because if we say one thing and do the other, that only makes us a hypocrite. hypocrite. Stop fighting. It's about total surrender. Hold on for your blessing. So God can make you everything he created you to be. Would you stand to your feet with us today? Stop fighting God. Stop fighting God. Stop resisting the one that wants to bless your life. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.